Thank you so much, Pastor Adrian, for reading that. Ever so often, we test our pastors whether they can read a passage like Genesis 10, the Table of Nations, and if they pass, then we renew their contracts. Uh, <laughs> and you ask as you come to a, a chapter like that, full of names, what on earth is it there for? So we welcome you to our service, whether you're here in person or watching this through live stream, uh, whether in Singapore or all around the world. We are learning from a very good book, it's the Bible. And we are starting with the first book, um, first portion, which is Genesis. We want to explore the whole issue of the reasons, the importance of reason in life. So hopefully the first slide comes on. The importance of reason. That the whys of our life, the reasons for our life, are infinitely more important than what or when or who or how. So working out the reasons is the most important. And let me ask you, why in the midst of this global pandemic, have you chosen to stay at home, all those who are at home? Have you chosen to come to church, a church building, and have this gathering? Why? And so here's one, I think it came from Australia. Reasons to come to church on Sunday. Number one, Jesus is awesome, definitely so. Number two, we have toilet paper. And of course, toilet paper is now a global joke. And where it started from, I have no idea, but somehow we think toilet paper holds a key, if not the key, to overcoming this thing called COVID-19. So important that we ask ourselves why. More importantly, last one or two messages, this one, and maybe one or two more, by the time we hit Genesis chapter 12, is to not forget that what we're experiencing here in COVID with COVID-19, we have experience with SARS. And so why did, why did we do what we did with SARS in 2003, 17 years ago? The number of patients had shot up, acute shortage of ICU-trained doctors and nurses. In Tan Tok Seng Hospital, nurses of other specialties stepped forward under the guidance of trained ICU. You know what that means in, in reality? You have no idea or very little idea how things work in ICU from the machines to the procedures, etc. But because of the acute shortage, you put up your hand and then you step up for this. And within Tan Tok Seng, there was not enough. An appeal was made to other hospitals and here was the response then. Seven nurses from SGH Singapore General Hospital, two nurses and doctor from Alexandra Hospital, two doctors and four nurses from the Children's Medical Institute of NUH volunteered to help. Why? Because of young SARS patients at that time. Dr. Lu Shi, the ICU committee chairman at the time, these were very appreciated. Their presence speaks more than any encouragement. These people are willing to risk their lives alongside us. It's 17 years later. There are new young doctors out there serving us, serving our nation with great risks. And they need to know how the older generation faced this. Not one generation ago, just 17 years ago. Ms. Widani Kanip, 22, an assistant nurse at the time, stepped up. When? When she heard of the newly opened SARS ward at Ward 13D. They asked if anybody wanted to volunteer for this job. So I raised my hand and said, yes, whose petite frame belies her monumental courage. So throughout the SARS period, she fed and washed and changed their diapers 
if they were bed-bound and took them to the toilet. And I thought this was, well, this was not just insightful, but inspiring for me. Everything they cannot do, we would do. Have you ever been a caregiver to somebody? Maybe your aged father, your aged mother, a grandma, a spouse who's gone through operation, a child who's recovering from something. Everything they cannot do, we do. That's called 24-7 care. And then at the end of this interview, she was asked, would she volunteer again if SARS cropped up? And the answer was, the answer was, you have to wait until this sermon comes to an end <laughs> to keep you going. Her answer was, without batting an eyelid, no hesitation, yes. I'll put my hand up one more time. And these are the stories documented for us called A Defining Moment, How Singapore Beat SARS. I do not know what books you read, but this is worth reading, don't you think? So, which makes us ask if we can all agree that working out the whys of life are more important than the what or the how because we're going through all the hows. You should keep the social distancing, you should wash your hands, you should do X, Y, Z. But why? What's your reason for living? What's your reason for waking up today, tomorrow, and living through another day? Why? Indeed, immediately after the service, a young lady came up to me and said, Why? I feel like ending it all. Of course, she was challenged. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And you want to know the why of the universe, the why of the world, and the why of men and women. Why are we here? Why this life? If there's a God, what's He calling us to do? And so, as we read this, we begin to understand why God does what He does because of who He is. And what God does, why He does, because of how we respond to Him. And immediately from 6 to 9, before we hit chapter 10, we have the reasons why God has acted. And so, because different people tune in, I ask for your patience, those who are members and regulars and come here to ARPC at Adam and Bishan, but because hundreds, if not thousands of people tune in to our live stream, we need to tell the story again if this is your first time. Genesis chapter 1 begins with, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. There's been nothing created which has not become about to the will of God. Then in Genesis 2, it zooms in to why and how God created men and women. And God just gave them a simple thing. You are to, two hours, you are to rule the world on my behalf, and then you are to relate to each other. You are to uh, multiply, fill the earth, and rule the world on my behalf. And He gave them the institution of marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. That's how we bear the image of God, rule and relationships. But by Genesis 3, uh, a strange thing happens, a serpent speaks. Up to that point, only God speaks, only Adam speaks, and Eve speaks. But the serpent that speaks shows you that something is there in the universe. There is evil. And he speaks, and he speaks against God, the person of God, the purposes of God, to draw away the people of God. God said, you can eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden, but you cannot eat from the tree that is in the middle the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The serpent comes along and says, actually, you can eat. And the fruit of that tree of knowledge of good and evil will make your eyes open, and you will be like God, and you will not surely die. And Eve chose to listen to the serpent, and we call that the fall. 
And from that point onwards, it spirals, not just, it spirals from individual sin to family sin. Cain, um, Cain kills Abel, and then we record they all died in Genesis 5. Then global sin, the flood comes. But through all of it, there's a hint of hope. The hint of hope is God's comfort through this man called Noah. So that brings us up to this point as we begin with the table of nations or table of world population. So this is what we did. This, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that, please take note of the language here, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's in the superlative. And we take Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, as perhaps the best statement in the Bible of this thing, a truism, a doctrine called total depravity. Total depravity. There is, we are fallen from God's created purposes. And this is who we are. We are a million miles from God's design and purposes. So this is what we did. And we carry on this DNA because after the flood, this doesn't change. And this is what God did in response to looking at the generation of that time, Noah's generation, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved his heart. Please take note. Whatever sin of thought and word and deed you and me do actually grieves somebody's heart. It grieves the most important person's heart, God's heart. The Prime Minister may not know that you sin in thought and word and deed. Your MP will not know. People around you may not know, your neighbours may not know that you are cheating on your spouse, you are flirting away, you are being rebellious, you are gaming until you are numb. But all those things grieve God. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. And not just man, all life, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I made them. Here is the bright light against the dark canvas. But Noah alone found favour in the eyes of the Lord, which tells you God is always looking, He's always looking. He looks and He sees, it either grieves Him or it pleases Him. Noah found favour in God's eyes. And whatever we do not know from the flood account, God, the holy God, the righteous God, the God of black and white and right and wrong, He knows how to judge those who turn against Him, who live, a co who live contrary to His design, and when we live contrary to His word and His will, there are repercussions in terms of our relationship with Him and our relationship with each other. He knows how to judge. We can be comforted by that or warned by that. But He also knows how to save those who walk according to His word and accomplish His will. These are the generations of the sun. So with that backdrop, we arrive at chapter 10, full of names, so we can only but summarize. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. Now, what other way do you think the writer could have said this? Both in the original language, right? So you can say, children, a son and a daughter was born to Pastor Chris. Or Pastor Chris and Mona gave birth, right? Bore a son and a daughter or many children. Which one is right? Why did, the, why did the writer say this? Before I arrived there, you know, during COVID-19, we were sent all sorts of things, and this was something that was sent to me. After the quarantine, do you see? 
there will be an increase in birth rate. All those are pregnant women. <laughs> I don't know whether that was Photoshop, whatever it was. But isn't it interesting for me to make this point from that? These are the generations, the son of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them. The language there is passive. This is something the great God does to you. It is in fulfillment of His original purpose. It is in fulfillment of His promise to Noah never to wipe mankind again. So we multiply and fill the earth not because we are virile, not because we are fertile, is because of God's fidelity, not because of human virility or fertility. That's very important. Sons were born to them after the flood, which sends a very important spiritual lesson for us. Do we take life as a given from God? It's graced by God. Every life is graced by God. So as I spoke to that sister after the service, contemplating through a mental unwellness, should she end it all because there are no friends and nobody really understands her? I had to repeat this again. It's not as if she doesn't know. You, you said in the service, in the sermon, that life is precious and life is sacred. I just don't feel so. I just don't feel so. Is life a given? A life a gotten? That you have the right? So please work it out. I do not know about you, but from morning to night, I live my life as a given. So whether I get on my knees first thing in the morning on my patio, or if I go for a walk out there somewhere and get on my knees out there at the park, I give thanks to God for everything He has given to me. Have you? Give thanks to God. I give thanks to God for the family He has given to me. I give thanks to God for the wife and the children and the church the pastors and the leaders and the members, you. Have you given thanks to God? Do you? I'm just guessing, but just go and Google it. Are we the only nation that's infected with COVID-19 that has not lost anyone? There are no fatalities yet. Because as far as I've read, every nation that got hit, there are fatalities. Have you ever given thanks to God for that? Yes, we do get the updates every evening, the press conferences or the press releases that how many more new cases, how many more have been discharged, and how many more critically ill. But thank God, up to this point, no deaths yet. You ever give thanks to God? That this is a life that is given, a grace life, not a gotten. And you're not going to get anywhere because after climbing on people's shoulders and after backstabbing people, you and me are headed to the same destination called the grave. So I've given this many times. This guy drove so fast, he tailgated me, right? And then he overtook me, and I saw BMW. Ah, how can I catch him? Mine's on Honda Vessel. Uh, we cracked a joke. So many of us drive as pastors Honda Vessel. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. So no way I could catch that silly BMW. No way. You know, he was so rude in tailgating me, so rude in overtaking me. Everything within my instinctive, not my pastoral side, but my instinctive fallen side, wanted to catch him. But then I always tell myself, where is he going? To the grave. Before me. Why are you so, such a hurry to get to the grave? Because you take life as a gotten. And Nike's advertisement years ago, the poster, uh, two guys running, guy in front, he's there to be beaten. The guy in front of you, he's there to be overtaken. That's how we think of life. From morning to night, getting ahead of others, 
instead of getting under God, life as a given or gotten is totally different, friends. And so it ends with, these are the clans of the sons of Noah. Why does it start the same way? Why does it end the same way? According to their genealogies in their nations, and from these, the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. So it's not simply multiplication, but dispersion. Not simply multiplication, but dispersion. So what's so great? They had children, they spread all over. What's so great? If God didn't purpose this in creation, if God didn't promise this to Noah, it wouldn't have happened. And so we've been saying that sin may derail, seem to derail God's good purposes, but sin never destroys God's purposes. And week after week, I've been saying it. I do not know what sin has been brought into your heart. I do not know what sin you're coping with in your, in your family. But sin mustn't have the last word in the Cha family. Sin mustn't have the last word in Pastor Lim Lak Yong's family. Sin is painful. It is painful. But the last word is always God who overwhelms sin. Isn't that amazing? If you allow sin to be the last word, then you are defeated and I'm defeated because Satan has overcome you. So God will fulfill His creational purposes and God will fulfill His promise and His purpose through Noah. So a quick summary of this portion is, it's a table of the world pop, world's population. It's a table of nations from Genesis 10. And perhaps a way to look at it is our origins. All of us were created by God and all of us have one source. You know, one of the youth came up and, and gave the testimony. He went on the Mian mission trip at 9 a.m. He gave the testimony. And he says, it was so amazing because they were you know, a bit concerned how are Christians in Thailand different to the Christians in Singapore. And then from the experience there, they're no different. We, we all come from the same God. And then it's not just our origins united in our creation, but our depravity united in our sin. All were dispersed by sin from the Garden of Eden, and then afterwards, Genesis 11, because we use our unity in rebellion against God, we were dispersed. And then it starts to hint of not just our common unity from creation, our common depravity from the fall, but our common rescue or salvation through this person called Noah and his sons, especially Shem. So all that is to tell us, by, by all doesn't mean universal, every single person. It means no, no race of men, no, no one will be spared this. More of that later. But in this table, we're going to look at our depravity, all dispersed by sin. And so the sons are Japheth, Ham, and Shem. And the rough divisions there, the divisions there capture for us their genealogy. Japheth. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Jaman, Tuba, Meshach, Tiras, and you're sitting there wondering, hasn't Pastor Adrian read this? Is Pastor Chris going to do the same? So of course I'm not going to do the same. But what's the meaning of all this? It's there in God's Word. It's here in God's Word. Why has God firstly spoken this to us, written this for us, and God's Word is never wasted, is never superfluous? The thing to take note, there are three differences with the earlier genealogies of family trees. First difference of Genesis 10. 
There are no ages mentioned. In the previous one, A lived X number of years, and then he fathered X, and then he lived X number of years, and then he died. No such collection, no such recollection of ages. Then there are names. But if you look at it with some astuteness, with just some observation, there are personal names like Sham, Ham, and Japheth. There are place names like Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt. There are group names like Ludim. There are Gentilic names, Hittites, Amorites, all the Tites, all the Ites, all the Canaanites. That's why the different names. Because the, the, this family tree is not all family ties. It's not as simple, this is Pastor Adrin's family, this is Pastor Chris's family, this is Arnold's family, this is Jane's family. No. Sonship and brotherhood and sisterhood in the table of nations could be ethnic, racial, clan. It could be linguistic because they shared the same lingo. Could be geographic because they live, they have been spread out to the same place and speak the same lingo. And could be political and it's it is reflected in the four words used repeatedly to their own lands, language, clans, and nations. And you listen to this and you say, what does that have to do with me? I'll say a lot. Just keep listening. So let's look at Jeffers line. From these, the coastland people spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. And whatever you do not know about Jeffers line, they are people who love the sea, seafaring people who make their money, who make their livelihood, carve out their livelihood by living by the waters, on the waters, seafaring people. So how many of you love the sea and how many of you live in the east coast of Singapore? Hands up. I'm told that those who live in the east will never move anywhere else. Is that right? Other people move, but the easterners seldom move. You could be a descendant of Jephthah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And Israel was landlocked. Israel had no, no seas around her. And so they would be the furthest people from Israel. Then it's Ham's line. And you're going to ask yourself, why is Ham's line so long, captured in so many verses with so many descendants? And this was the line that was cursed by Noah. Canaan was cursed. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, I'm just bold, the names that we are more familiar with. Egypt, we are familiar with. Cush. Cush fathered Nimrod. We came across Nimrod. Where? In the earlier chapters. Became a mighty man. And so, what else do we know from this list? Then Babel, or Babel, that we're going to read of in Genesis chapter 11. Then we're going to read of Assyria, and the capital Nineveh, and Rehoboam, It, Ur, Kalah and resin between Nineveh and Kalah, that is the great city. They say that maybe that portion is just a summary of all the, all the great cities built by Assyria and Babylon. I was just watching a documentary, I think put up by the BBC or National Geographic, and of the city that they have uncovered, right, dug up. It's, stuck, it, it's in Iran. I was going to use the word stuck in Iran. It's in modern-day Iran. And of course, access to Iran is not easy now. But they're trying to open up to tourists, open up to tourists. And as I watched the documentary, I just said to Mona beside me, say, we must go. Look at the splendor of this city. Built thousands of years ago. It would have made your jaw drop. The architecture, the resources, 
it's just not just huge but beautiful beautiful and then Canaan it's a name you need to know then afterwards the clans of the Canaanites disperse and so let's go back sorry let's go back father Sidon the firstborn and half and all the tights or ites Jebusites Amorites Gigashites Hiv Hivites Archites Shinites Evadites I've got, uh, I can't read anymore. <laughs> the Canaanites. And so what is this about? The territory of the Canaanites extended in the direction of more familiar names, Sodom and Gomorrah. And these are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. And so we can only but summarize. Nimrod's name is a key to unpack Ham's line. And his name, the meaning of his name is, we shall rebel. Imagine naming your son, Nimrod. <laughs> he shall rebel against him, against me. And so it foreshadows Babel in Genesis chapter 11, where they all had one language and they built a towers to the sky to challenge God. And we'll read more about that. And from Nimrod will come the DNA and the roots of the Canaanites, who would be... Israel's arch enemies and as Israel entered the promised land it was called the land of Canaan because it was filled with all the tithes the Canaanites the summary of the peoples who are there and then two great nations rise from there Assyria and Babylon and Israel's enemies are God's enemies Israel's enemies are God's enemies and we'll find out about that in Genesis chapter 12 in two weeks time when we end the first part of Genesis so from Nimrod a person to the Canaanites, was Nimrod a specific person or was he an archetype, uh, a symbol of this whole race of men from Ham's line who will rebel against God? And when you look all the way from Nimrod, his name and his hunting ability, his military ability, you look and say, such power, such pride, such people, how to dispossess. And they are self-made, they are self-ruled, they are self-sufficient, they are self-glorifying. And this whole line of men will boast the goodness of the self-made life, of always finding our human solutions that men plus our inventions will indeed make life a paradise without God. And we need to ask ourselves, how do we undo this mess? called power and pride and people. And so when God called a small nation called Israel, who were a bunch of slaves, He says, I want you to go to the land of Canaan. There's only one problem as you settle there. You have to unsettle everybody. You have to dispossess all these fellows who are bigger than you. And that's why the battle belongs to the Lord. That is going to come in Scripture. And so with that, we look at Shem's line. To Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the eldest brother of Japheth, children were born. To Eber was born two sons. The name of the one was Pelech. And what's so important about Pelech? For in his days, the earth was divided. The earth was divided. What does that mean? The scholars think that it was during his time that the Tower of Babel was built. And during his time that the Tower was built by Ham's line, and it was when the languages got confused 
And then that line got split, and his brother's name was Jokten. Could it be a reference to that? Then they came and said, I'm going forward to next week's passage because the two passages are linked. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower that with its top to the heavens, and let us, let us make a name for ourselves. And lest, lest we be dispersed, what's so wrong, what's so great, what's so significant about that statement? Lest we be dispersed. There are two things wrong there. We'll leave it the first part for next week. Come, let us make a name for ourselves. God never intended for you to make a name for yourself. God never intended for you to bless yourself. Blessings is a given, not a gotten. By now, you should know that. And then let us not be dispersed. God's purpose was be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Be dispersed. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But when we gather in rebellion against God, we choose to build towering cities. So Genesis 10 and 11 are not chronological. They are logical. Genesis 11 explains why why we sin against God. We use our unity for depravity. We use our unity for rebellion against God. Isn't it? We use our God for forgetfulness and forsakenness to make paradise without God. And because of that, God says, I will never allow you to be so united so you continue to live in this blissful state of never needing me, of never worshipping me, the true and living God who created you. So, we fast forward to Jesus. What on earth does this have to do with Jesus? An Israelite, born of what line? We've quoted this a few times. It must always come back to these key passages when the New Testament reflects on the family tree. And the New Testament will now reflect on Jesus' genealogy when he began his ministry, he was about 30 years of age. Being the son, as was supposed, of, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi. And so we have to join it up at the end. Hey, the son of Pelag, that sounds, that sounds familiar. Because we just read of Pelag from Shem's line. The son of Eber, that sounds familiar. Because Shem's line had those two names sticking out, standing out. The son of Shem, oh, that sounds really familiar. The son of Noah, and then the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So when you trace down the storyline to Jesus, he goes all the way back. That's why you must read the table of nations and not skip over it. Because it's not there to fill up an empty page. It's to tell you of God's one story of salvation. And the one story of salvation, he began with creation. He carried on with Noah. It finally got fulfilled with Jesus coming to die on the cross, to take, our, to take God's wrath, to wash away our sin, to defeat the devil, and to make us children of God, no longer sons of disobedience, but sons of obedience to Christ, the obedient one. So when we read Genesis 10, now we can put in the new thing in blue colour. It's all about our origins, all created by God, all came from God, all united in creation. Our depravity all united in our rebellion and all dispersed by sin. So you track down every nation, somehow you still have to link it to the salvation story to the nation of Israel. And finally, there's only one way to be saved for every tribe, every clan, every language, every people. 
and that is to be rescued by Noah's descendants, by Shem's descendants. And that is why we are here, listening to this week after week after week. So why does disease and death come looking for us? Specifically, why, does, why will death knock on your door? I do not know what will knock on your door. Will a million dollars knock at your door? I have no idea. Would a good job knock at your door? I have no idea. Uh, what else will knock on your door? Uh, but I know death will knock on your door and my door. And when death, death knocks on your door, it's a 100% success rate. You will go, and I will go. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? It's eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, three things, Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, God saves, our Lord, the Sovereign One. And this is how we should understand things. So COVID-19, my worry is that we'll return to bad normalcy. So do you read the right-hand side? Police are pleading with the public not to display their valuables. And now very valuable toilet paper. I don't know how toilet paper came into this whole equation as a remedy, a panacea, a mitigation against COVID-19. I don't know. And when it started, uh, no, literally with a run in Hong Kong, and then the run continued in, in Singapore, and the whole world laughed at us, the Westerners laughed at us. Who is laughing now? <laughs> Have you seen those things, those videos they were sent around? I saw one of the Australian one. They were pulling their hair over the toilet paper. My goodness, for the life of me, we think that if we store up enough toilet paper and stashed up enough instant noodles, we might outlast the viruses that come upon us. We think we're going to find a vaccine and we'll no longer die. That's called returning to bad normalcy. Bad normalcy is Babel. Babel is, we will find our way out of this. We don't need to come back to God. We will find our way, our final solution out of this. Total self-redemption. No need God to interfere in my life. I don't need Him. I can save my own self. Really? Can you? Just think about it. But returning to good normalcy is that we wise up. You know, death, disease and death have always been a threat to you and me. Is that right? Always been. The only difference with COVID-19 is that it stares you in the face day by day. Disease and death, decay, disease and death, the three Ds are always our dangers. So wise up in God's eyes and humbly accept that from Genesis 3 when God said, you eat of this fruit of the tree of knowledge going to evil, you will surely die because you step into God's space and you're not, you're not supposed to usurp God's place. You are supposed to rule under Him by obeying His word and fulfilling His will. That's the DNA you should live with. And so, what does it mean for us? Beatrice Chow lost her dad when she was three years old. But she's taken comfort at the dad as a hero. And who was the dad and why is he a hero? Because Dr. Alexander Chow died from SARS while serving in a hospital fighting the deadly virus. So from this portion, we're going to read a few things for us. We are people who say we learn, but we don't. And they are very precious lessons. Here's Dr. Alex Chow with his daughters, Bernice, Beatrice, 
months before he died during the 203 SARS epidemic. He was actually on a holiday in America with his wife when SARS broke out here. But he came back. So he came back, left his wife there, and um, this is something that the wife shared. It was 10 p.m. as I turned the key in the lock. I could hear the phone ringing in the apartment. I remembered his exact words. Dear, don't be worried. I have a fever. The protocol is to stay isolated at home for 48 hours. And if the fever persists, go to the hospital. So Alex, not wanting to pass the inf infection to his young daughters and elderly mother who were here, he moved into his godmother's home down the road. So, mentally picture how this unfolds in their life. Allow me to read that for you. She says, the wife says, we spoke on the phone constantly to keep her updated of his condition. Alex was asymptomatic. He didn't have the usual signs of the infection. His lungs were clear and he wasn't breathless. But on the morning of the day he died, his voice was very soft and faint, says Professor Cole, his wife. We had spoken at 8 a.m., but very quickly, things got worse. He became breathless and had to be intubated before he was pushed to the ICU. The nurses later told me, Alex was smiling and waving to them, assuring them he was okay. But he wasn't, and he died soon after. She says in the interview, tears rolling down her cheeks. But this is what caught me as I read that report. She says of Alex, the wife, says of Alex, one by one, his colleagues had fallen to the viral attack and he was the only clean surgeon available to run the medical surgery as he had been away, so duty called. That's why people become doctors. We take the Hippocratic oath that we will go out of our way to save the life of another. You go back and check the history of Oxford University, Cambridge University. They only studied three sciences for centuries. Number one science, theology. Most important thing to study. 12 years for a Catholic priest to come out, graduate. The other two sciences they taught. The other school of fields of was medicine and law because nothing serves neighbour more than medicine and law. Medicine to preserve life, law to uphold justice. Three things the great universities of the world studied. Now we study everything else except theology. You just go and check out those universities that I've been and walk down the corridors. You throw God out of the picture. You study every science except the science of God, the knowledge of God. This is why we become doctors. This is why we do what we do. Have you ever asked the why reason of why you wake up? Why you do things? Here's the list of medical workers who died during SARS. On Dr. Ong Hok Su, TTSH, 7 April. Dr. Alex Chow, vascular surgeon. Hamida Ismail and the other two perhaps from overseas, Jonelle at Orange Valley Nursing Home.
O V and H, and Q Mia Tan. In all, 17 passed away. So we give thanks to God that up to this point, by God's grace, we have not suffered a single fatality yet. This is why doctors do what they do. This is why Jesus came. They will never find true unity. We will never find true serenity once we live outside God's presence and against God's purposes. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And that sounds so much like from every nation and tribe and people and language. And that sounds so much like Genesis 10, standing, standing not under the Tower of Babel, but before the throne and the Lamb and before the Lamb of God. They were wearing white robes, obviously washed clean, and holding palm branches in their hands to welcome Him. And they cried out in one voice, the only one who brings true unity and true serenity and true peace because He has brokered peace on our behalf by His death on the cross is Jesus our Lord. So salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You ask what was different before and after God's Son came. What's different in the Trinitarian God before and after the cross? After the cross, the Lamb of God. There's a human being sitting in the Godhead, the Lamb of God. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praising glory to men, praising glory to us. It took the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus to turn us from self-glory from self-sufficiency, from self-redemption to the glory of God. God exists to be worshipped, and He will be worshipped. And the worship of God is made possible only through the love, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus and all who put faith in Him. Amen? So notice, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You think you could memorise this verse and get it all right in sequence? I keep challenging myself. Not easy, not easy, not easy. And so, why did Jesus come? For this. So how do we start on good normalcy? Let me get my language correct, my thoughts and my language Let's start on God normalcy. That from this point onwards, being awakened by the latest threat of life globally, being awakened to the threat of life globally, that we will find the answers in God, in His Word, and finally in His Son and the salvation that Jesus offers us. So start on God normalcy. That God is now the centre of your life. And because God is the centre of your life through the finished work of Jesus and through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, you start on good normalcy. Settle once and for all the why in your life. Do you live for yourself or do you live for God? Do you live under God or do you live against God? Are you a rebel or are you a child of God to the finished work of Jesus? And so you've got to work out whether you want to love yourself to death and we will love ourselves to death or you want to love God and live for eternal life. And so I highly commend 
that what we gave you, I think it was in the, in the bulletin and e-bulletin, the testimonies of our young folk who went for the Mian mission trip. And they were so inspired. So inspired by who? But the missionaries who are out there, it, uh, with the mystery called Auntie Nelly, who's been out there longer than I've been here, 30 years. She's been out there 30 over years with the same group of people, ministering the same, and just a single-minded, Pastor Jed. And the youth just, just caught up with this. And you know, somebody is sharing with me, they, he organized a, a mission trip, a, a mission conference here in Singapore, just not too long. The year just began. And about 200 young folks turned up to get young folks to be interested in mission. And then he sent me a note, he said, Did, did you realize about uh, 10, 15 of the folks who attended this were from your church? Isn't that amazing? Can you begin to pray and give thanks? Then as we teach God's words and preach the gospel week by week, and every year, by the end of the year, a lot of our young folks go, they, we don't just preach the gospel, we lift the gospel. And some of them will catch this fire of being overseas missionaries. And you have to choose. Love self to death or love God and find eternal life through Christ and by the Spirit. And so each of them. Then we love others into God's kingdom. We call this big technical word evangelism. Right? Big technical word salvation. And friends, maybe we can do all these things during this time, COVID. We can compensate our social distancing with virtual closeness. Phone calls. Zooming, I'm so encouraged that 80 over small groups that we have here, we call them discipleship groups, we are worried that when we encourage people to do Zooming, right, that the older folks, by that anybody above 60, may not be able to Zoom. But group after group send me testimonies with photos. Hey, here are the old folks all Zooming away. All Zooming away, enjoying themselves. That's wonderful. And one of the people said, actually, yeah, when we zoom, the study is shorter, you know? But not just shorter, but better, because you don't talk nonsense. <laughs> and so you get to it, and sometimes, parents have told me this, the kids go overseas to study. It's ironical, as the kids go overseas to study, when they FaceTime with each other, when they do all the things virtually, they get to know each other deeper because in the business of life, we hardly get to talk heart to heart, eyeball to eyeball. But when you're stuck in London or you're stuck in Sydney or stuck in working in Shanghai, you, you got to eyeball say, how are you? How, how are things there? How cold is it? And do you have good friends? What are you doing tonight? And how do you feel? How do you feel? When we are together with each other, we hardly ask each other, how do you feel? How are you? How do you feel? So can we con compensate the cancellation with our heart connection? Can we compensate central church meeting in one place with home churches as God intended and acts to? That in our homes, we can read the Bible, we can sing a song. So we started this when the kids were very young. Whenever we went for holiday, we never took a holiday from, from God. So if we went for a holiday, it was a Sunday. We will have our own service at the Gold Coast, etc. So Hanshin is... Eight years old, can you read this passage? Hanmi, can you do this? Mona, can you do this? And we'll take turns to share the passage. That's called a service at home, devotions at home. Isn't it wonderful that we can do all these things? And I had a funeral testimony. Last week, four funerals. The week before, three funerals. The past week, one. 
And the person who passed away, I knew she was old, but I didn't know how old until I took a good look at the obituary and then I saw born 1920, died 2020. Are you listening? Born 1920, died 2020. The only other person I saw such a huge gap was my late mother. Did I share the joke with you? I went to renew her passport, right? In her latter years, she was really 98, 99. And so went up to the office, I filled up the form, and the officer said, you fill up wrongly, 99 years old. I said, no, it's correct, my mother is 99. <laughs> hey, really? So how long you want the passport for? <laughs> I said, five years. <laughs> I'm not going to come back again. Nineteen twenty, twenty twenty. that's a long life. And this is what some of children and grandchildren remembered of her long life. As a child, she listened to John Sung preach. Her home church was the Fu Chao Holy Trinity Church. One of her favourite songs was, Jesus loves me, this I know. That's the best song you can learn and pass on. She was homeschooled by her grandmother, given only a few years of primary school education at Gunning Singh Primary School. I think she's probably the best graduate and product of Gunning Singh Primary School. And she was married off at the old age of 15. Sorry. She was married off at the grand age of 15 to our father, who was 10 years older. She always felt that she missed out on childhood and education, and she made sure that her seven children, right, especially her daughters, got the best education possible. Her husband passed away, she was widowed very young, with seven children to raise. Her rules? Wash hands. Did she know something in advance? Wash feet, brush teeth before going to bed. Other rules? Never tell a lie, always tell the truth, always be honest. Other rules? Never ever mix with the bad hats and we live in a bad neighbourhood. And then goes on. Another daughter said, Mom also taught us not to be greedy, not to crave and strive for wealth. She would say in Fu Chao, their dialect, right? Have eat, literally, have eat, have wear, enough. I'm not Fu Chao, but in Teochew, Wu Chia, Wu Cheng, Gao Liao. That was my mom's mantra to us. Wu Chia, Wu Cheng, Gao Liao. And the daughter asked her once, or many times, when I was a child, I asked her, why are we giving away food, things? Why are we giving away things when we ourselves needed them because we had so little? And mum would always reply, when we have enough, and enough is when you are contented, you give away. This kind of life wins many people into the kingdom. For she didn't just hear from a great evangelist, John Sung, but she heard from her great Lord, and that changed her life. And it's the small acts of love that we do from day to day, just carving out some time just to eyeball a son, a daughter to their teenage years, through a crisis in life, to eyeball a spouse and to say, I love you and I treasure you. So thirdly, it's not just work out whether you're going to love self to death or love God to eternal life or love others into the kingdom, what we call evangelism, and take, make the use of technology, but love your loved ones that God gave you to love. And go nuts. Nuts is an acronym you are new with us. It's non-negotiable time with God every day. You, undistracted time with God every day. 
T for total devotion. You want to go nuts? Go nuts with Jesus. So by Friday, because of the new advisories, directives that came out, and then social distancing, sitting a metre apart, we had to decide, suspend services, carry on services. Will we cross 250? Will we cross 250? We'll, our congregation is so good. You roughly know what numbers. We won't cross 250 in the RPC. And so far, it's over around 200, 250. This is definitely about 100, right? So we're well within, we're, and we're good. But I'm making, making it a point here that if I get as many messages about COVID-19, may I also read God's Word? Because it's so easy to drown with this and to drown with fear. And what else we need to do and to know that Jesus is Lord of this. And so the new acronym is Christ is Lord over very infectious diseases. Are you with me? That's COVID. Christ over very infectious diseases. Mm, oh. Oh, 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 it's not mine, it's not mine. It was given, was it Adrian who sent? Somebody sent it. I thought it was brilliant and they quoted Joshua chapter 9, do not fear. <laughs> Enough, after a while, we can only cope with that much bad news. Let's read the good news. Let's commune with our Lord and always never forget to love who God gives you to love. When I go to heaven, I'll be accountable personally for a few people. I'll be accountable for the way I treated my father, my mother. I'll be accountable for the way I treated my siblings. I'll be accountable for the way I love or didn't love my wife. I'll be accountable for my children. And I may be accountable to you, for you, as the pastor of the church. But they're concentric circles, very important. So, Mona and me went for another walk. And we went to Labrador, Labrador Park. Why Labrador Park? Because that's where we started dating years ago. And notice now, she's holding the cannon. She was about to turn it and face it at me. No, of course not. That's a lot left over from the British, right? You love those that God has graced you to love. And please don't go and try to be like Michael Jackson, go and save the world when you can't even save your own heart, save your own home. Love those. Like Monopoly when you play it, always go back to the starting point. Always. And so it's very important, friends, as we do this, we come to utter humility before God, before the throne of the Lamb, to recognize our fragility and to accept our mortality. Life is fragile and we're going to die. There is no doubts about it. And only humility before Jesus and then loving God, loving others, and loving those we're supposed to love. That's all that matters. And may we go back to good normalcy by going back to God normalcy. That now, because God is the center of my life, Jesus is the center of my life, it will never be the same again. Amen? Never. I'm not going to wake up another day without Jesus controlling my thoughts and my words and my deeds. And so, final conversation. A man rang me. Can you talk? I say, I can always talk. Yep, I exist to counsel to minister, to pastor. Things have just gone wrong. Things have just gone wrong. How do you go wrong? It's just over dinner. It's just over dinner, right? My wife said something. I said something. And when she said something, 
everything within me. You know, so, so hard when, when your spouse or your children, your parents trigger you in one direction, it's so hard not to just instinctively say the thing to put her in her place, to put him in his place. It's so hard. It's not hard. It's impossible. Because within that home, when you trigger each other with each other's sinfulness, everything within you, your self-protection, your self-righteousness, your self-redemption system will hit back in thought and word and deed, almost instinctive. And so he hit back and it just spiraled. It just spiraled. And he called me because he thought it had spiraled totally out of control. There was no going back. From his description of it, it it's gone. It's gone. Another marriage, gone. Another family, gone. Because it's so hard, no. Because it's impossible for you to save yourself. And every moment, you jolly well need Jesus and worship Him. Help me with this thought. Help me with this word. Lord, over this and bring blessing, not curses, out of this. Bring blessing out of this, Lord. Make me an instrument in your hands, not make me a victim or make me a perpetrator of sin. Only Jesus saving you, lording over you, can make that God normalcy and that good normalcy in your life and my life. Amen? Let's stand. Close in prayer. We acknowledge and we pray increasingly so because of your grace towards us that we all have this tendency, this great fallen sinful capability to rebel, to take things into our own hands, to squirm and worm our way out, to think our way out, and we think that by ourselves, without you, we will make life paradisical, heavenly how wrong we are for we carry the dna of rebellion we thank you that you never gave up on us that your created purposes carried on through noah and his descendants we thank you finally your promises come true in the great lord jesus christ in whom and through whom we find true unity and true serenity and peace with you and with others thank you lord jesus for your love thank you for your suffering Thank you for your death. Thank you that you're victorious, and thank you now you're interceding to keep us holy and blameless. And so we pray that we will worship God, our Father, that we will honour you by giving all our moments to you. We pray for ourselves that we will not simply revert back to bad normalcy of autonomy, independence, that we can handle our own lives without you, but we will, by your grace, start on a new journey of good and God normalcy, where you are in charge of everyone and every moment unto your service, unto your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.